When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, kinfolk? It's RJ Young, host of the number one ranked show. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today, we're going to give you day two of our day at Big Ten Media Days, where I got to speak with Ryan Day about the maturation of CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith in Jigba. And I have a one-on-one sit-down with CJ about his journey from high school to being the starting quarterback at Ohio State. That and more in this episode. Can't wait for you to watch and or listen to it. I'm pleased to be joined by Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud. C.J., how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk with you. I believe this is the first time that we have been able to speak, but I got to know your mom through your recruitment and through your journey to Ohio State, and she was kind enough to give me a question to ask you. I'm going to hand you my phone. Okay. Could you read that aloud for us? Want me from the top? Uh, no, just her. Okay. Uh, she says, maybe how he mentally prepares for games, keeps himself focused and motivated. She want, I asked her what I should ask you. Okay. And that was the prompt. So let's start with that. Answer your mom's question. How do you stay focused and motivated? I think how she raised me. Hmm. Uh, I think she raised me like in an old school sense. Uh, I grew up in a church for a while, and she was the first lady. And uh, a lot of stuff didn't go. And it was strict. So, I mean, that's kind of the reason why I kind of uh, I am humble and I am the way I am is because I have that foundation for my mother and my father. They set that as a young age and just my faith. And uh, God has called me to do great things. And uh, it's not me, it's him. So she's always taught me that. Uh, give him the glory and the praise. And uh, just staying focused is um, something that I've uh, had to learn throughout the process because it is tough. Uh, you have a lot of people pulling at you and different things like that. But uh, to stand grounded on what you believe in and just uh, understanding, the, keeping the main thing, the main thing has definitely kept me focused and just uh, having my faith in great people around me. I love that your mama was first lady at the church because she, she carries herself that way in conversations. And one of the things she's done for you is set you up with whatever it is you were trying to do. One of the things you were trying to do was get to the opening regional in Oakland. Could you tell us a story about how you found out what the opening was and how you convinced your mom to drive you to Oakland right. so that you could perform? Yeah, that's a great story. I mean, uh, I grew up watching Elite 11 and watching the opening and just seeing like all the great players that end up going to college and then going to the NFL and being great. And that was a goal of mine, so I wanted to do it. And uh, at the time, I didn't have the resources to get there or like the uh, recognition or the or the media uh um, or anybody really looking at me at the time. So I definitely uh, wasn't too fond of out to go. And I was like, I didn't know if I should go. But uh, Coach Stump, the, uh, his name is Brian Stump. He's the Elite 11 director. And he texted me. He was like, come on up. And I was like, cool. But there was only one issue. I didn't have no way of transportation. Uh, at the time, me and my family couldn't afford the flight. But uh, my mom, she uh, did her best and she sacrificed uh her going to work and she put up some money and we drove all the way up and uh we had a great time just me and her and my sister uh just like old times I mean I miss them days to be honest with you but uh we go up there uh, and I'm up there with other quarterbacks uh, like DJ Ugalele and then 
uh, Ethan Garber's at UCLA now. And I'm up there competing with them and having a good time. And even then, I wasn't invited to the camp. But I talked to a couple of guys, and they were uh, pretty promising of me maybe uh, getting the one of the last invites. And uh, by the glory of God, I was able to get that. And from that invite, I see your recruiting start to take off. To lay it out for people, you were ranked, I believe, 841st in the country. Really? <laughs> right? Before you started to make your rise. You get to Frisco, and then what happened? Uh, well, I get to Frisco. And the first thing I did was pray. And I was like, God, whatever you want me to do, just let me do it. And, and I'm going to give you all the glory and the praise and, and just give me confidence. And that's what he did. And uh, I go out there. Uh, the first day I was kind of nervous, a little rusty. And then that second day we had pro day. And then I think I broke the record. Uh, I think I broke Tua's record at the uh, pro day with uh, 50 points and uh, had a pretty good day. And I was just, that's what I needed uh, just in my life just to give me that confidence. And uh, after that, I go in my hotel room. I go to sleep. I wake up the next morning, getting ready for 7 on 7. I get a, a ring on my phone, and it's Coach Day. And he texts me. He's like, hey, CJ, I want to introduce myself. I'm head coach at The Ohio State University. And I just got on my knees. I prayed again. And so just after that, I just felt like I was uh, called to do this. And uh, after Frisco, I even got more uh, – excuse me. Um, I ended up winning the MVP after the 7 on 7 play, and uh, that was great for me and uh, great for my confidence as well. And then after that, I got even more offers, more recognition, more publicity, more media. And uh, I think that was something that definitely uh, rock and shit my life. Coach Dilfer tells everybody we've never had someone score 50 points in this competition. Then you get your call from Coach Day. You find out you win Elite 11 MVP. When did you think or know you were going to accept your offer from Ohio State? Um, I have so many stories that, like, uh, I, I don't have any, like, I can think of now, but I have a lot of ways just, like, things were kind of just popping up in my life to have me choose Ohio State. I definitely think that was from prayer. Uh, I had no clue where I wanted to go. So many great schools, so many great coaches, so many great people at these universities that I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, and then I just asked God, just give me signs, please. And I'll give you a funny story. So um, I'm at school one day, and my principal, uh, his name is Mr. Wilborn, and he calls me to his office. And this usually doesn't happen. So I'm thinking I'm in trouble. I'm like, I ain't doing nothing. Let me just go over here and see what you're talking about. And he gives me like three things and he drops in my hand. And I look and it's buck nuts now. I know now. But I'm like, I'm like, uh, Mr. Wilbur, what are these? He's like, oh, these are buck nuts. Like, I'm like, oh, that's a sign from God, like to go to Ohio State. And I was like, okay, I need probably three or more signs. And uh, luckily I got those signs and I think I made the right decision. I think so too. You also joined in. With a vaunted recruit in Jack Miller, you guys both sit behind Justin Fields. You get to watch him work. What did you learn in your redshirt year and helped you propel into your redshirt freshman year? Right. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, was amazing for me, even at the time I didn't know it, just to sit that year and just to learn, just to soak up what Justin knew and what Coach Day was uh, willing to do with me. And then, of course, being there with Jack. And Jack is my brother. I uh, definitely appreciated him when he was here, and I do appreciate him now. Um, and it was it was good for both of us to come in together and just learn from each other. And it wasn't any bad blood or ill will. We came in as brothers and we left as brothers. So um, definitely a good friend of mine. But it definitely taught me a lot just to sit behind and, and just realize it wasn't my turn yet and just to work hard. And I prepared every week like a starter, but it, I didn't get my opportunity. But uh, luckily, I mean, I think it panned out. I think so. You are the starter against Minnesota. I was at that game. I get to see you put on those colors and go to work. What did you learn about yourself in that game that helped propel you through the rest of the season? I think that game kind of just showed a little glimpse of my life and my childhood in a sense, uh, just perseverance. I mean, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And 
Uh, I don't think I played terribly in the first half. It just wasn't uh, comfortable yet. I wasn't, uh, I didn't, I haven't played football in two years. I haven't been tackled in a while. You know what I mean? So just get my feet back in the water. And then once I felt comfortable, but luckily, I mean, I just have great teammates. I have uh, great leadership last year and they were just had the most respect for me and the most confidence in me. And that gave me confidence. So it's going back out there in that second half and just having fun. I think that's what it was mostly about, just having fun again. And that's what I did. I felt you did a lot of learning because you had to in that 2021 season, the home loss to Oregon and then the loss to the team up north. How did that hurt and how did that affect you going forward? Uh, for me, I think it was two failures in my life that I hold near and dear to my heart to this day. And I think uh, for me, I always say a failure uh, that you don't learn from is an L, a failure that you learn from is a W. So I just try to uh, use it as my own and just realize that those are two learning points in my life. And those are, I'll use those for the rest of my life just to uh, those are precious moments that I'll never get back, but I'm working for the next moment that I will get and that I'll never let that happen again, hopefully. You had some fighter jets out there on the perimeter for you. You got one coming back in Jackson Smith and Jigba, and you finished last year as a Heisman finalist. You'll start this year as a Heisman frontrunner. How are you dealing with the pressure of knowing you have guys on the outside that can do it for you and people are expecting you to lead Ohio State back to a national championship game? Uh, for me, I mean, I just try to uh, just kind of turn down all the outside noise and just uh, listen to my coaches, uh, listen to my mother, listen to my family, listen to my close friends. And and I think that's all that really matters. Of course, I do listen to Buckeye Nation as well. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, I got to go out there and do it. And it's up to me. So I just uh, try to just have confidence in myself and just remain humble and just stack days. I think if I can go one and know a day, work hard and one and know a week, one and know a game, whatever the case may be, just go one and know in that moment. I think th all those things will happen. My last one for you, CJ. What do you tell the kids who are not being heavily recruited who are seeking an opportunity? Uh, I'm, as a kid, I was told a, a very uh, vital piece of information and, and advice uh, by my father was uh, comparison is a thief of joy. Mm -hmm. And I definitely hold that near and dear to my heart because if you compare yourself to others, then you have no joy. And in this lifestyle of social media nowadays and things like that, luckily I wasn't able to have a phone till uh, high school. Uh, so I thank my mom for her, her old school ways back then. Um, but those taught me to not compare myself to others. So just God has a, a unique uh, plan for your life, and uh, he made you in his way, so he's going to make your path in his own way. So just trust that and just remember that God's going to test you before he gives you what you want. So that was what I would tell somebody who was younger. C.J. Stroud, quarterback at The Ohio State University. Thank you so much for taking you, time. RJ. Appreciate you. I'm pleased to be joined by Ohio State head coach Ryan Day. Coach, how are you doing? Doing great, thanks. I'm Always appreciate your time. I wanted to start with this, Coach. Uh, how does it feel to not have to go through a quarterback derby in 2022? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, this is actually the second time, I think, maybe in my career where we've had a quarterback for uh, two years in a row. So that's exciting. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been great. CJ's had a really good offseason. Um, but it's also been good to have the other guys and build them up. And CJ and Devin both have uh, had good offseason. So looking forward to having a good preseason with those guys. It is a stacked quarterback room, as it seems that it has been since you arrived at Ohio State. What do you keep telling the guys to keep them engaged? Well, I think it's it's about the development, and that's we take a lot of pride in that. That uh, every day we're going to challenge you with uh, you know really good scheme, you know, teach you about defensive structure, teach you about uh, you know route progressions, and and uh, and we're going to have you you know part of a great scheme, and uh, it's very quarterback friendly. And so, uh, you know, everybody's developing every day. And uh, a lot of it has to do with what goes on in the meeting room, but a lot of it has to do with what goes on in the field. 
CJ's a known commodity now. Uh, didn't really know what you're going to get out of him until Minnesota and then steadily progressed. And we saw him in the season as a Heisman finalist. What's the next step for him? Well, you know, this is year two. And at this point last year, like you said, he'd never thrown a college pass. So we didn't know anything about CJ. And then he kind of found his way and found his stride about midway through last year and then really played some great football down the stretch. And so I think the thing for him, he'd probably would say is just the fact that, you know, he was just trying to complete his first pass, trying to get us for everything was new. Everything was first. Uh, that's not going to be the case this year. Um, and, you know, when you're doing that, you're just so focused on yourself. Excellent leadership skills always has. But I think after a year of off season and, and leadership work in the weight room, he sees it from a bigger view now and sees it from the defense and the running game and the line and, and obviously, you know, in the pass game. So I think when you take that approach to it, it really helps you as a leader. I was genuinely impressed with how you handled his uh, growth and really giving him room to just, A, he's playing football for the first time in a very long time, hasn't been hit in two years, and you trusted him and you trusted yourself to get him ready. But on the other hand, I also saw these, uh, let's call them F-18s out there on the perimeter for you, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. And to those two guys' credits that went in the first round of this year's draft, hey, the kid, that's the one you need to be paying attention to. And then we got to see that in a tremendously big way in the Rose Bowl. Got to say, did you see that coming or is it always been there? What happened with Jackson Smith and Jibba to be that guy? Uh, it was always kind of there. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. And, I, and I think that first year, CJ and, and Jackson kind of worked together a little bit on the scout team and kind of got some uh, familiarity with each other. But, but Jackson's very easy to throw to. He has great body language, in and out of cuts, creates space. And so they, they have a good connection together. And um, so it's great to now have him in his third year, you know, take that leadership role. I think he's had a great offseason. And, uh, and I think that whole room still uh, is going to be a strength of our team. Guy to help you put together that room, uh, wide receiver coach Brian Hartline. It's been absolutely blazing on the recruiting trail, but also in developing these players in a way that, frankly, haven't seen, I want to say going back to 2007, the kind of output that you've had, at least as far as the NFL is evaluating what has he done to help you get better with wide receivers? Oh, he's helped, uh, he, you know, first off, credibility. He played at Ohio State. Credibility, he played in the NFL. Um, and, and he wasn't someone, I mean, he had speed, and he had good athleticism, but but a, a big part of his game was just understanding how to play the game, mm -hmm. understand how to set up receivers, uh, set up DBs, uh, how to run routes, you know, his preparation. And so uh, that really is a great uh, makeup for a coach. And so I think the guys really recognize that and he has credibility with them, but he's also very gifted. He, he really understands how to recruit, uh, how to connect with people, uh, works really, really hard. You know, sometimes when you make that transition, a player to coach, there's a little bit of a transition, just an understanding of how much, how many hours it takes, how much work it takes. Uh, he, he made that transition pretty quickly and uh, he's got a very bright future ahead of him. Defensively, uh, I've been high on Jack Sawyer because it's, it's hard not to be knowing what he was capable of at Pickerton North. What's the step for him in that defensive line this year? Well, uh, I think our D-line is going to be as deep as it's been in a long time. Um, I think, you know, when you look at them line up in that first game, they'll look a lot different than they did last year, and that's the goal. Jack's really done a great job with his body. He looks strong. He's had a really strong offseason. So is JTT. It's going to be great to have Tyler Friday back. Mm -hmm. Zach Harrison looks great. Uh, the guy's inside. So 
Um, that's that should be a strength of our team is the D line. But it's it's fun to now watch Jack into a second year, and uh, it's time for him to take the next step. I think for some of those guys, you know, in year two, year three, they were still inexperienced. You know, you say, well, they were two or three years in, but with COVID and everything, they hadn't played a lot. They gained some experience last year, so now they're veteran. And whether it's the second year or the third year, if they played a lot of football. And my, in our mind, they're veteran, and Jack's one of those guys. So even as a second-year guy, I think you'll expect to see some veteran play out of him. For the second time in, I think, the last six years, uh, pop some eyebrows around where I live, about Tulsa, Oklahoma. First, Josh Proctor, now identifying Jim Knowles to lead your defense. What led you to Coach Knowles? And uh, to that end, having Tanner McAllister, how does that help you? Well, uh, Jim uh, is somebody I've followed along his career for a while. Uh, he's been around some really good defenses, and, and when you follow his career, he's, he's very, very intelligent. I mean, talk with people who have worked with him and for him, uh, just really, um, you know, great things to say about who he is. He he has a great teaching mentality, just in terms of understanding how to teach young men. He's got a good mentality in terms of attacking offenses, and um, you know, I think when you combine that with a lot of experience coming back on defense. You know, we're, we're hoping for really good, strong defense and having great, you know, balance within our team. Adding Tanner McAllister as a part of that, is that a, yeah. an offensive or excuse me, a defensive assistant on the field for you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been in that, that system for a while. Mm -hmm. He knows it. And so he can really help with those guys. And, um, you know, we also have Matt Guerrero, who uh, was defense mm -hmm. coordinator at Duke, took over for him when he was at Duke. Mm -hmm. uh, he's an analyst for us, but he's, he's also somebody that was in the system before. So you got a couple guys there that were in the system. That really helps. Because, um, you know, when you're bringing in a new system, whether it's coaching the coaches or Tanner on the field talking to the players, uh, it helps to have other voices out there. I'm curious, as a fan of football, watching it from an offensive side, when you go and look at a defense or a defensive coordinator, are you evaluating yourself and going, I don't know what I would do against that? Or how do you, as an offensive minded guy, identify a defensive mind? I think the first thing you do is you look at how, how hard they play mm. um, and what kind of energy they play with. Um, and I think that's the first thing. What kind of technique do they play with? Then you look at the scheme, you know, and you try to figure out how they're attacking defenses and how quickly can they adapt based on how an offense is going to attack you. You know, and I think when you look at Jim, he does a pretty good job early on in the game of trying to figure out how the offense is attacking him and then being able to quickly pivot to what he thinks can help and uh, in adjusting game. I think that's very, very important. But a lot of that has to do with the teaching up front is that teaching the, the system of defense and knowing that, okay, if this is what happens, our contingency plan is to go into this area. And uh, when you've, you know, he says, like, I put my 10,000 hours of, of football into this thing. And when you have that type of experience, you can draw back upon those things as you get into those games. A little bit broader, if you allow me, Coach. Um, you have a couple of teams in L.A. that all of a sudden want to play Midwest football. How do you feel about that? I'm excited. I think it's great. I think it's great for the, for the conference. And we're now a national conference, and that, that's big. It gives us a lot of juice and energy and, um, and a lot of power. So uh, I'm all for it. I, I think it's great and uh, looking forward to playing those guys. My last one for you, Coach. Open-ended. Please take it in any direction you would like. How do you feel about the future of college football? Uh, kind of how I felt the last couple of years, uh, which is like you, you just drive it without brakes. You know, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's coming next. And I think the easy thing to do is get frustrated or, or, you know, worry about what's coming next. The best you can do is just try to do the best right now and today and just try to do what's best for your program and try to put them in the best position you can um, because you just don't know what's coming next. And uh, again, when you, if you said to me, this is how the first four years of your head coaching career is going to be at Ohio State, I would have never believed you, you know, because there's just so many things that have come up, but they're going to continue to happen and it's going to continue to come up. So 
being able to adapt is critical. The Ohio State head coach, Ryan Day. Thank you so much for your time, sir. You got it. I'm pleased to be joined by Penn State quarterback, Sean Clifford. Sean, how you doing? Other than, you know, being too tight. A little tight. Jersey. I feel like we should have sized up, but it's all good. I'm feeling great. Uh, really happy to be here at Big Time Media Day. Uh, so excited to get this thing rolling. So. so one of the things that I'm impressed about with you is your ability to adapt to scheme after scheme after scheme. I think we're up to your fifth offensive coordinator in your time? I think fourth. 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 Yeah, fourth. So Donovan? I committed under Donovan. Okay. Didn't have a, didn't have a season truly under Donovan. Can you reel him off? John Don- so it would be John Donovan to Joe Moorhead, Joe Moorhead to Ricky Ronnie, Ricky Ronnie to Kirk Scirocco, N- not counting Donovan, so that's three, mm-hmm. and then now Mike Gersich. How does it feel to know that you're coming back to the same system? It feels great, and that's, I mean, honestly, that's where I was so excited, is, is, is the team that I'm coming back to, and then having that second year in the same offense, a lot of quarterbacks, you know, the, the, the minute that they get that second year, they can take that next step. And, uh, you know, it's all about in the spring, instead of learning, it's about mastery. And that's where I'm as, exci- as, as excited as I ever have been. So, What's it been like for you to play for Coach Yersich? I'm speaking as a guy who saw him up close at Oklahoma State, where he came from Chippenburg, and what that offense is capable of. Yeah, Coach Yersich is a... Is a fiery personality that's for sure Uh, i think that's the that's the number one with him he's going to bring it every single day and he's going to make sure that you bring it every single day so he's he's looking to get the best out of you and then secondly his scheme is is explosive um and i think that we saw a bunch of glimpses all last year uh, but it's time now to take it up a notch and that's where you know with coach jersich this offense i'm just excited to be a spoke in the wheel so well an important spoke in the wheel, but you're also going to have two outstanding guys out on the perimeter, one of which Parker Washington you're familiar with. Mitchell Tinsley, I've seen on tape, many of us saw at Western Kentucky. What are you expecting from those two guys? Yeah, Parker Washington, um, a vet guy now, been here, done that, but he's ex- he's excited to take that next step. And then Mitch Tinsley coming in as a transfer, um, just fantastic talent. Really, I think that the big thing with Mitch Tinsley that people need to understand is the work ethic. That man is in there every day. He lives with me, so he's texting me. He's coming over to my my room. Hey, when we throw in tomorrow, every single day, Mitch brings it. And, you know, those two are, you know, great leaders in that group. But you got a that's a deep room. You know, Keandre Lambert Smith, Malik Mega, Jaden Dotton, my brother. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Trey Wallace, I could talk about them for days. So re- realistically. You know, those two are great leaders, really set the tone, set the standard. But we got a great room, too. I'm glad you brought up your brother because I want to know where is that relationship going to show up on the field for you? I think that it's the same as it was in the backyard about, what was that? feels like 100 years ago now since I've been in college for so long. But, uh, you know, back in the day when we were playing in the backyard, that's how it feels almost on the field. Obviously, you know, the bullets are flying a little faster than the neighborhood kids, but at the same time, it's still a great feeling to be out there with them and share those memories. Last year was sort of challenging. Well, it was challenging for Penn State at times, uh, specifically for you. What did you learn from 2021? I think it's all about just keeping a, a level head and staying focused on the task at hand because, you know, life's going to throw you curveballs. I didn't expect to get injured. I didn't want to get injured, but that's just the that's the name of the game. So Nobody wants to get injured. Of course, you know what I'm saying? So it's really about how you how you take those those hurdles and those obstacles and push through them because you know when you got a great team you got great coaches and they got your back 
it makes it gives you a lot of confidence in yourself to to go out and and perform for your team. So I think that that's what I I learned the most. Just staying focused on the task at hand. There's going to be hurdles, but you just got to keep jumping. One of the well, I said two of the underclassmen I'm very excited about across the country mm. are at Penn State. Yeah. One of them is going to be your understudy, Drew Aller, mm. and then the other is a dude that I think can squat an entire house, Nick Singleton. But, <laughs> I think it's proven at this okay, point. Right? That's I've what seen I'm saying. It. So let's start with Nick. What has he done to impress you? Yeah, I think that, you know, that whole running back room, I don't want to put that that room away. Um, you know, talking about Nick specifically, he he comes in and works. He's a, he's a workhorse. Uh, I think that he's been brought up in a really good family of of working hard. Um, he 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 gets it. You know, he comes in every day with a with a strong focus to get better. And, uh, you know, that's what you need in a young guy. But, you know, Nick, I think that the whole room, you know, Catron Allen also came in right alongside of him. He's making some splashes. I think you're going to see him this this year, too, uh, along with Kevon, along with Kaziah. The list goes on and on. Um, and I think that we have a, a lot of leadership in that room this year. So I'm, I'm excited about the run game. Well, I'm glad you're excited about the run game because Penn State fans would like to see one of these guys take the job and Absolutely. make it their own. We're talking about, I think it's 16 games that we've been without a 100-yard rusher mm -hmm. for Penn State. What's the emphasis like in the running back room with Coach Sider? Yeah, they, they know that. Mm. You know, it's it's not like they're shying away from it. And that's what's beautiful about it right now is they know where they're at, they know how good they could be, and they're reaching that potential every single day working for it. Because, you know, they, they would they would be the first to tell you that they've fallen short a few times this year or th these past couple of years of, of getting over that hump. But with this group, I think that they know it. They see the they see the issues and they're ready to address it and really prove it on the field. So I'm, I'm excited for my running backs. I think I get why you decided you wanted this sixth year. Mm -hmm. Coach Yersich, year two, you know what you have coming back. You also know what the highs look like 2019. What is left for you to do in 2022? Just have a bunch of fun. I think that that's that's really how it, how it is for me. Um, you know, my last year at Penn State, this university has given me so much. Um, I could I could never repay what what Coach Franklin, the staff that I've had, you know, and especially the players. Um, and now my family, like literally my brother being there, uh, I can't repay them. So it's all about enjoying it, enjoying the process. Because uh, you know, sometimes in the past I've just taken it a little bit too seriously and. And not that it's not a serious game and not that we're playing for, you know, something extremely serious. And that's a Big Ten championship. But at the same time, I think it's enjoying those moments and really just having a blast. Sean Clifford, thank you so much for taking time, sir. Thanks, RJ. I'm pleased to be joined by Penn State head coach James Franklin. Coach, how you doing? Awesome. Appreciate you having me. I got a big kick out of your players. Uh, Sean was sitting right where you are. He's very excited about going into year two with Coach Yersich and it dawned on me as I was preparing for that interview that he has been committed to or played for I think it's up to four offensive coordinators and how excited he is to just know the system because he feels he gets to to master it this year how excited are you for Sean to have this six year yeah I think there, there's no doubt about it that's that's going to have a significant impact not only on our season but but also Sean uh, Sean's year um, you know we, we've been fortunate that we've had a number of guys that have have been the offensive coordinator at Penn State and have gone on to be head coaches. So it creates challenges for us, but it's also something that we take great pride in. Um, you know, I, I think Sean is a guy that prepares the right way, handles things the right way, um, and has had a great offseason. And I do think your point of his confidence in year two in the same uh, offense is going to be significant for us. 
You mentioned some of your assistants have gone on to be head coaches, one of those Brent Pry, Virginia Tech. You bring in Manny Diaz uh, without missing a beat, and all I hear is that he's fiery and he's energetic and he's excited to be there. As a fiery and energetic man yourself, great amount of one to ten for me. What kind of fiery to energetic is Coach Diaz? Yeah, I gotta say ten, right? What else do I still say? Uh, he, you know, he's been great. At, you know, you're talking about an established, proven, seasoned defensive coordinator at a number of different schools uh, and a number of different conferences. And that, that's important. At a place like Penn State, we, we should be able to get that type of guy. Number two, uh, his experience as a head coach. Um, that There's value in that. His ability to get up in front of the team, to get up in front of the defense, the presence, um, and then also his big picture view of, of college football has been really valuable. And, and I think he's enjoyed it. Um, you know, you never know. I, I call him basically a day after uh, the Miami situation goes down and some people aren't ready to have that conversation. But we were able to engage quickly and aligned on a lot of things. And, and he's been great. So uh, year two with Coach Ursich, year one on defense. There are some similarities defensively in what we've done in the past and in what we're still doing. So that will help. Um, but it's it's about it's about creating turnovers on defense and getting your guys to fly around and. I think Manny and myself and, and, and our defensive coaches kind of align in, in how we think defensive football should be played, not only you know nationally, but specifically in the Big Ten. What can we expect along those lines from P.J. Mustafer, who I need to say passed his conditioning test? There, there's no doubt. My man is, <laughs> is excited. You know, this is, he's, he's played for five years, played as a true freshman with COVID. He was able to get an extra year after having the injury. Uh, he'll never have to take the conditioning test again, and, and he's fired up about it. Um, but he's, he's a leader. Um, the guy is, is all about ball. He's already got his degree. Um, his brother plays for the Bears. His dad played at West Virginia. He gets it. He's been raised right. Um, you know, as a young man, he's also been raised right in terms of the game of football and how to prepare and how to work. Um, I'd hire the guy to be my D-line coach. Like, he's just – he's that type of guy. I'm super proud of him. He's going to be unbelievably successful, not only for us this year, but also in his future. And having him back is significant. It really is. You know, we lost him and Sean – uh, in the same game last year when you have two teams ranked in the top five battling like crazy. So having both of those guys back and learning through those experiences is, is really valuable for our team. Jahan Dotson was outstanding last year. Parker Washington, I assume, assumes the role this year that is going to be just a little bit larger. And then you go and pull Mitchell Tinsley out of a hat. What are you expecting from that wide receiver room this year? Yeah, so we had a young man by the name of Keandre Lambert as well who played um, your point, Parker Washington, um, and then Mitchell Tinsley, like you mentioned. So we actually feel like with losing a Jahan Dotson, that's hard to replace. But if you look at Keandre was a still young developing player last year, that group of three we believe can be as productive as the group with Jahan last year not that you're replacing Jahan specifically with any one of them, and, and you never know. Maybe maybe someone has that type of year, but the group we feel like can be just as pro, um, as as, as uh, productive um, as the group we had last year. One of the things I hear most from Penn State fans is, "Who is the next best rusher coming out of Penn State?" They will point to me and say, we haven't had a 100-yard rusher. I will say, you've got a great running back room. And it got a, lot of, uh, a little bit better, if I may say so, with Nick Singleton, who I think is 
freak show. What are you expecting from that room this year? Well, it's it's not just that room, right? It's 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 our O line, it's our tight ends, it's our commitment to the running game. Uh, it's being able to to run all normal downs. It's be able to run on short yardage situations, goal line, four minute. Uh, we got to be able to do it. That's a commitment in the off season. That's development of the offensive line, and then that's running backs having the mentality that once the scheme. Uh, or the players up front get you to the free linebacker or get you to the free safety. Now you got to do your job. You, know, you got to make that one guy miss, whether it's making a miss uh, from from uh, you know uh, using your athleticism in open field, or whether it's lowering the shoulder and breaking a tackle. But now that has to come into play. So you know, a game of football obviously is about everybody doing their job and and complimenting one another and and that's what the run game is going to be for us but but we're committed there i've come to the big 10 media days every year and talked about this is going to be the year for the line i'm not doing that this year (laughs) i'm going to let the proof be in the pudding i'll let you tell me at the middle of the season where we're at uh and uh whatever you say will be gospel (laughs) no it won't and you know that's right (laughs) but uh I do want to say this because I believe this. Nick Singleton is uh, absolutely amazing as a football player. He picked Penn State. You picked him. What has he shown you so far that you could tell us about maybe a story that demonstrates the level of football player that you have playing for the Nittany Lions? Well, we've got a good history of guys staying home, uh, specifically running backs staying home, Saquon Barkley, uh, Miles Sanders. Uh, now Nick Singleton and being able to do some special things at Penn State and then be able to take it to the, to the next level uh, is really important. So for Nick, it was being able to develop a relationship with him and mom and dad, high school coach. We had a great player named Jan Johnson out of the same program a few years ago who played really well for us at Penn State. Um, and Nick has a chance to take all those things to, to the next level. Obviously, you know, was very well thought of, number one running back in the country, you know, Gatorade player of the year. We do have a running back room that's going to allow him to develop so when he's ready, he'll play. And um, sometimes you're in a situation where guys are forced onto the field before they need to be. But you're talking about a guy who's already 220 pounds, runs really well, is freakishly strong in the weight room. I think he made a power clean 365 this summer. Um, is a special guy. is close to a 400-pound bench press. Uh, so he is physically developed and ready for the game of football. And then being able to come in, graduated early, came in the spring, was able to learn the system. So that will, that will give him a chance to legitimately compete uh, you know, for the starting job, but definitely for playing time. My last one for you, Coach. Uh, we've seen some changes in college football. USC, UCLA are going to be Big Ten members in 2024. With all of this going on, name, image, and likeness, transfer portal, how do you feel about the future of college football? Well, here's the deal. Change is coming and change is here. Hmm. Embrace it. I don't care whether it's college football or any other industry. Um, the, the most successful organizations, the most successful teams, the most successful sports are people that are going to embrace change. Um, probably more change than we've had in the previous 25 years, uh, but it's here. And at, at Penn State, we're not going to waste any energy or time on what we want it to be or what it should have been or what it could have been. This is where we're at. We're excited about it. Obviously, bringing uh, two schools um, that have great academic reputations to align you know, with our conference and our universities from that perspective, but also two schools with great tradition and history as well. 
And there's going to be a lot of excitement, whether it's whether it's Fox, you know, whether it's fans, uh, whether it's other media outlets, whether it's our former players uh, excited about seeing Penn State and USC on the football field together or UCLA. Uh, hopefully, they're coming to us as much as possible. Uh, but yeah, I think it's I think it's this is where we're at in college football, and we're embracing it at Penn State. Here's to USC playing in Happy Valley in the last week of November, Coach. That, you're exactly <laughs> right. Scheduling, please. Coach James Franklin, thank you so much for taking the time, sir. You as well. Thank you. I'm pleased to be joined by Michigan State quarterback Peyton Thorne. Peyton, how you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm great, man. Awesome. Now, I want to start with 2021 because it's a banner year for Michigan State. What do you think it means to Spartan fans to be able to say, hey, we're good and we're going to stay good? Yeah, you know, I want to put a product out on the field that, that your fans can be proud of. And I think that, you know, we we did that last year and we're starting to build something uh, now to bring Michigan State back to where we were, you know, you know, eight, ten years ago. How does it feel to know that the passing attack is a catalyst for this in many ways in which Michigan State's been about defense and run the football? We'll talk about that. But your contribution, Jaden's contribution, Jalen Naylor last year, his contribution – we're really setting the tone for an attack that I hadn't seen coming out of Michigan State through the air in some time. Absolutely. You know, we want to be two-dimensional. We don't want to be just relying on the run or the pass. And so uh, I feel like we have a pretty balanced offense. Obviously, last year we had Kenneth Walker, the best running back and arguably the best player in the country. Um, and so we would lean on our run game. But we also, we you know, we, we threw it plenty. And so, um, you know, this upcoming year, I think we got a lot of playmakers back. You know, we got some names that maybe guys haven't heard of as much, but, you know, I think we got a chance to have a lot of uh, success on offense this year. You were intriguing to me because when I first saw you, like most people, is Penn State. You go for 325 in your first start. I believe that's the most any Spartan quarterback has ever passed for in his first start. How did that come together for you? You know, it was just that whole year, that whole COVID year. Um, you know, we were in a quarterback competition earlier in the year, uh, and, you know, I wasn't named the starter right away. And uh, throughout that year, I just tried to prepare like I was starting. You know, people talk about that, but I truly tried to uh, to do that. And then, you know, my time came, you know, I got in against Indiana, got in against Ohio State. And then finally uh, against Penn State, I was given a start. And, uh, you know, I tried to take the most of that uh, opportunity and run with it. And unfortunately, we didn't get out of there with a win. But, you know, I thought that I was able to put enough out there to prove to my teammates that I can play and that, you know, that, that I could be the guy for our team. And so that was, you know, a, a jump start into last year. Quarterback derbies are not easy. They're not easy, especially when they go into the season. You mentioned, hey, proving my teammates I can play. Did you hear some of that from them following that game? Yeah, you know, I had throughout that whole year uh, and throughout that offseason, you know, my teammates were uh, supporting me and, you know, you know, I knew they that they believed in me as a player, but to go out there and actually do it uh, in a game setting uh, is, is a different thing. And so uh, going out there and doing that and then all last year, you know, uh, still trying to, you know, prove myself to, you know, my teammates, my coaches, uh, myself, you know, and, uh, you know, I feel like we, we were able to do that last year. And, you know, that's a that's a constant process of, of improvement and, uh, and, you know, keep attacking. Coach Tucker has been very vocal about, hey, our quarterback has to be our number one competitor. That has to be the guy that sets the tone. How do you do that knowing this year there is no competition? It's you. Right. You know, I think of, uh, you know, I, I always come back to, to something that Tom Brady said, I think, in the last couple of years is that he, he goes out. I mean, he's the greatest of all time, and he goes out there every day and still competes like he has a job to earn, and, and he needs to prove to his teammates that he's still got it. 
And, uh, you know, that's, that really means something when the best of all times doesn't even feel comfortable in, you know, his own position, obviously, you know, he knows that his job security is very secure, but, but his mentality is that he's going to prove it still. And so if the greatest of all time is saying that, then, you know, I think every quarterback should say that. And, uh, you know, I believe that there's always something to prove and I'm looking to improve my game and become the best player that I can be for my teammates and for Michigan state. Equally balanced with a chip on both shoulders. I I get it because that's just how Tom gets through life. And that's how many of us succeed. Quarterbacks often succeed because they have an outstanding run game. And you mentioned it, maybe the best player in the country, Kenneth Walker, went for 1,600 yards, allows you to be really great on play action. You got another great tailback transferred in, Jarek Broussard, another that I'm very high on in Jalen Berger. What have you seen from those guys so far? Yeah, you know, I, I think they're very unique players. I think that they're both guys who can, you know, make plays out of the backfield, but also make plays with their hands, you know, go catch the ball out of the backfield, line up uh, in the slot. We, mo- you know, we can motion them out. They're guys that, uh, you know, Kenneth Walker could do those things. It's just we didn't do it much with him. And so um, he's gone. Like- <laughs> yeah, right. And so we can, uh, you know, those are things that we can do and uh, that we will do. And, you know, uh, I think those are two dynamic backs that are going to have a chance to do a lot of good things for us. I'm interested in your journey to Michigan State because uh, quite as it's kept, your father, Jeff Thorne, is offense coordinator at Western Michigan. You were once committed to Western Michigan, changed up, got to Michigan State. How is it that you have maintained your relationship with your father when you get this job and perhaps not being coaxed over to Western Michigan? Yeah, you know, uh, there's never been a thought in my mind ever leaving Michigan State. Um, You know, last year we brought in a transfer quarterback and, to be honest, it never really even crossed my mind to to test the portal or any of that. You know, I I'm, I believe uh, in Michigan State. I believe fully in Coach Tuck and, and uh, the coaching staff. And, I, you know, I love my teammates here at Michigan State. So it's never been a thought ever to leave, um, no matter what's happened. And, and obviously, like you said, my dad now is at Western Michigan. Um, and I, I was previously committed to Western Michigan before I – um, decommitted and, and committed to Michigan State. But, um, you know, it's going to be interesting this year. We got Western Michigan week one, so uh, – would not have imagined that the next time my dad would be at our place that he'd be on the other sideline, but it'll be, it'll be fun. And we've joked about it quite a bit. So it'll be a, it'll be a fun experience. You touched on it in that you do get to open against yep. your dad across the sideline. Is there going to be just a no talking going on? Or is mom just going to say, neither one of you get to talk to me uh, about any of this? Yeah. You know, we, we've talked about already and he's, uh, you know, not happy that he has to play against his own son who uh, obviously, you know, my whole life he's been my number one supporter. So uh, I'm, I'm just glad he's not the DC. He's not the defensive coordinator. So he'll stay on his offensive side. I'll be on our offensive side. Obviously, you know, uh, we're going to do our best to to play our best football no matter who we're playing. So, um, but it'll be fun. You know, I've played against him my whole life in the front yard playing basketball and, you know, knee football when I was like three years old. And so, you know, I've had plenty of competitions against him, but not, never an official football competition. So it'll it'll be fun. It'll be a cool experience. Well, as an avid neutral, I am looking forward to that game. And I hope both of you get what you want. Somebody's probably going to be unhappy at the end. Right. Peyton Thorne, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm pleased to be joined by Michigan State head coach Mel Tucker. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, sir. Uh, I was just remarking, we were talking about how it's chaotic out here, but one of the things that I really loved uh, about 2020, if there was something to love, is as it got more chaotic, I, I found my center. I found my pace. And then I looked around and folks were trying to follow me. <laughs> How do you feel right now? Do you feel like you found your pace? Yeah, I really do. I mean, um, I know that 
the the word you know chaos has been thrown out hey it's crazy you know what is this coming to but um for me um you know i'm always about adapting and adjusting and i feel like that you know we can figure it out you know myself and my staff we got a lot of smart people um we got we we have a staff that understands hey listen you know things are going to change and it's a changing land, landscape. It's an inflection point right now. Um, and we're really leaning into it. And, and uh, like you say, finding our center, um, finding, you know, adjusting our process. And I feel good about it. I tend to think that good head coaches are also good businessmen. They find a market inefficiency and they exploit it. That's scheme, right? That's also identifying talent. You seem to have found one last year in just, hey, we get a tight game in the fourth quarter. We're going to win. <laughs> I'm good with that. But I... How do you to come to get that sort of confidence, knowing that in a one score game, you got a chance to go win? Yeah, well, we tell our, our players uh, the number one thing, you have to be best condition. Mm. Uh, so we're built to play a four quarter game. Um, we want the game to get deep into the fourth quarter um, because of our conditioning, mental and physical. We feel like that we're not going to flinch. We're going to find a way to win. Um, when you go in the game and you expect to win as opposed to hoping to win, then when you get into a tight ball game, it's just like, this is just what it is. You know, we're going to keep chopping. We're going to trust our process. We're not going to look at the scoreboard. We're just going to keep playing the next play and find a way to get it done. You have been outstanding in games that I think matter, right? And matter to your fan base. I'm thinking about Michigan. I'm thinking about Ohio State. I'm thinking about Penn State. How have you stepped into that environment and been able to command from your team, uh, not respect, but that you will do what I do. And what I do is come in here looking to win. How do you get there so quickly? Well, uh, it, I mean, it's really a mindset mm -hmm. and it's communication. You know, you, you lay out the vision and then you lay out a plan and then you do things within the process. You work. Mm -hmm. There's actions, there's behavior. It's not just talk. There's things that we do day to day to build trust with our players. You know, things we do with them, they see they see results, they see it fast, they see themselves getting better. Um, and so we have proof, you know, we get we get results before we even play the games, mm. you know, and then we, we actually tell them ahead of time, this is what it's gonna be. This is what it's gonna look like. This is how these games are gonna go. And this is how we're gonna react. This is these are things we're not going to do. You know, these are things we are going to do, you know, and, and this is how we're going to get it done. Um, and it's like that every single day. There's no surprises in our program. Like what you see is what you get. We're real with our guys. We're authentic. There's no shortcuts. We know it's not going to be easy. Uh, I mean, you're not going to have um, you're not going to have a great season. You're not going to have a, a great football team without tough games, mm. without being able to win games on a stretch. You might need to win a game on the last play of the game. I mean, that, 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 that happens. That's, that's what good teams do. Good teams find a way to win and they don't flinch. And so our program, our culture is all about being resilient, being relentless, you know, never stopping and trusting the process. One of the things I heard uh, Coach Chiano say is it's not just – getting guys on the bus is getting guys in the right seats on yeah, that bus. That's right. Kenneth Walker comes in right seat on the bus, 1600 yards, <laughs> all American best player in the country, according to some, myself included. Mm -hmm. and then you go and identify Jarek Broussard who showed out in 2020 at Colorado, Jalen Berger, who I think has tremendous talent transferred in from Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to go get those guys. Now, what are you asking them to do? Yeah. Just trust the process. Mm -hmm. That's all. I mean, and they, they're doing that because that's why they came here in the first place. Mm. 
what we were, what we're doing and our culture resonated with them. They say, okay, I can go there and I can get what I want there. They, these guys can help me get better, you know? And so just trust in what we're doing, you know, do what we ask you to do, do it to the best of your ability. You know, we're not count, we're not leaving it up to one guy. You know, we're not counting on, on one player to come in. We're just going to jump on his back. You got to ride us in. Like, listen, we got a good football team. Okay. You come in here, do your job. Okay. We're going to work with you. You're going to get better. You're going to make us better. It's going to be a win-win. Uh, let's get to work. I was really intrigued to talk with Peyton Thorne my first time being able to sit down with him. And I, I learned a lot, uh, but not the least of which is he takes to heart what you have said. Our quarterback has to be our number one competitor. Yeah. But now it's his job. And in that way, get back in your head, it's mine. What am I competing against? He said, yeah. ah, no, no. I'm showing up like I got to win this every single day. Right. How do you be sure that he doesn't get a little complacent and that that mm -hmm. does not affect your football team? Yeah, well, you know, you said, like, how do you ensure it? Yeah, because you got to make sure, right? He's not a, he's not a guy that's going to be complacent, mm -hmm. you know, but it's compete to play, compete to stay, like compete to, compete to stay in your position. That's myself and that's any player, all included. I mean, like – you got to show up every day. If you did it yesterday, you got to prove that you can still do it today. There's no entitlement. There's 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 no rest. There's no comfort. You know, there, there's no complacency. It's always what's next. And that's the way we practice. That's the way we compete. So if, if it's not there, if it's not happening, you stick out like a sore thumb. Mm. Okay. And then we confront it and then we we demand that you get it right and that you get back on track. And then we have comp we have competition. You know, and, and listen, you know, like competition should bring out the best in everyone, you know, and, 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 and your quarterback has to be intrinsically motivated in, in terms of like, hey, listen, I don't need necessarily a coach or another player, you know, to be on me, you know, for me to do what I got to do. He's one of the, he's one of those guys, you know, he's hyper competitive. Uh, what he's done this, this out of season where he's really taking the next step is, is leadership, not just leading by example, but holding his teammates accountable, you know, on the field, off the field, you know, that's when you start to have a real football team, when the players are holding each other accountable, because that's really the last piece, because that's very uncomfortable. People get offended, you know, when they got one of their buddies, one of their peers calling them out and say, hey, that ain't what it, that's not what it's supposed to be. This is what you need to do. It's like, well, who, who are you? Well, hey, listen, that's that's a real football team. That's when you really got something. He's really he's really taking those steps to be that guy uh, because, you know, leading by example is really not leading. And he understands that. He spoke to that, too. I had asked him about the Penn State game mm -hmm. and going for 325 in his first start. He said, hey, we lost. We, I put something on tape, though, that my, my teammates know I can go, but we lost. Like, that's yeah. that's a loss. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about something else. Right. A couple of bigger uh, picture questions, if you don't mm. mind, Coach. First one is, we got a couple teams in L.A. that apparently want to go to East Lansing in November and play some football. <laughs> How do you feel about that? <laughs> well, I tell you what, it's, uh, I think it's great. I think it's great for our conference. I really do. Um, you know, college football is changing. The landscape is changing. And Commissioner Warren – is a brilliant guy. He's, I mean, he's really smart. He's got experience. He knows what he's doing. He's positioned the Big Ten uh, for now and for the future for us to be the premier conference in the country. And so when you add teams like USC, UCLA, history, tradition, good coaches, good players, you know, the market, okay, now we're East Coast, West Coast. We recruit nationally. 
We've got guys on our team from California. We've got guys on our team from Nevada, from Arizona, from Colorado. That just increases our visibility. That, that, that lengthens our reach, you know, so we can get into more homes. We can get in on more really good players, which we need to do to be able to compete for championships. So it only, it only helps us. Now, you know, we're, we're going to build our team. Um, and we're building our team to be able to compete regardless of who's in our conference or who we play. That's the way we have to do it. You know, so is it, 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 who we play, where we play them, do they come to us, we go to them. That's really not a part of our mindset. It's just building the best football team that we can, that we can build to play anyone, anytime. My last one for you, Coach. Open-ended, take it wherever you would like to. How do you feel about the future of college football? You know what? I, I'm I'm excited about it. Um, it's uh, you know, nothing really ever stays the same. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it, and and things usually go in cycles. You know, um, you know, I, I embrace change. Um, and certainly there's a lot of it uh, right now. Um, you know, we don't we don't know where it's going, but I'm seeing like with our current players, I'm seeing a a a different awareness from them. And also recruits mm. that I'm I'm actually more than a football player. There's more to it than this, you know, which I think is a good thing. So now it's on us to help with the education part, the mentoring, the show. Okay, now this is what's really going on. This is how you do this. You know, this is how you take advantage. This is how you put yourself in the best position, you know, now and, and beyond. I mean, so for me, it's an opportunity for us to fill a need, you know, with this NIL deal, you know, like, okay, let's look, what do these guys need? What, what resource do they need to help them do what they want to do? You know, what type of education needs to be provided? What type of leadership do, do, do we have to, do we have to, to, to have for these guys in order for these guys to take advantage of these opportunities? So to me, because this is about the players with no players, no coach, you know, and that's the way it is in the national football league. You know, it's, that's a player's league, okay? So what can we do to help the guys? You know, and these are young guys. You know, they, w- they want to be better. They want to they win. They want to play ball. They want they want to take advantage of opportunity, just like anybody else, you know? But if they're so young, you know, that they can't do it on their own, so we got to help them. Within the rules, we got to help them the best way we can, and that's the way I see it. So it's an opportunity for us to just pour even more into these guys. I'm excited to see how Michigan State and you, Coach Tucker, help those guys yeah. achieve those dreams. Mm-hmm. Michigan State head coach, Mel Tucker, thank you so much for taking time, sir. Yeah, thank you. I'm pleased to be joined by Wisconsin quarterback Graham Mertz. Graham, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. How does it feel to be going into year three as quarterback at Wisconsin? It's definitely it's definitely fun. Um, for me, it's it's my third year doing what I love to do and in, in the place I love to be. So uh, it's definitely a blessing and I uh, can't wait for this year. I want to talk about how much you love playing in Madison because <laughs> I don't know that this story gets told enough, but you didn't grow up there. You grew up in Kansas, yeah. born, raised in Minnesota, but somehow coming out of Kansas, you were looking at Big Ten football. How does that happen? I mean, first off, I hate the heat, so I love the cold. <laughs> so that was a, that was a no-brainer. But um, I mean, for me, my dad, my dad actually played at Minnesota, so I, we grew up watching. Minnesota games and I just fell in love with the Big Ten and uh I kind of knew I knew eventually when I was getting recruited that I wanted to be somewhere in the Big Ten and uh my mom my entire mom's size from Green Bay so grew up here grew up coming up here every summer 
um, going to the lake house, doing a bunch of different things. So, uh, I mean, it's it's the best city in the world. You got you got the lake. You got a little bit cold winters, but uh, great summers, great falls. So, um, best fans in the world, best stadium in the world, best city in the world. I stand by that. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. It, it is a lot. It is a lot. So, how did you put up with living in Kansas for so long, knowing how much you like it here? <laughs> Kansas was Kansas was nice. It's I also stand by this that Kansas is the best barbecue in the world. Mm. People say Texas, Memphis. I'm See, going, now we don't have to fight you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so now now we're good. Now we're good. But Kansas City's got it, – it was a great great place to grow up. Uh, great friends there. So great food too. Big food guy. Love nice food. Yeah. So is there a spot in Madison that you stake out? We go to a place called Rare in Madison that's like one of the best steakhouses in the world. It's really good. Rare. It is going on the list. Yeah. You got to be there. We'll, we'll go. Come to I, would, get, I would love come that. to come to a game. We're going. I would love that. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, so, I want to talk about how 2021 went for you? How do you think it went? Yeah, I mean, we started off a little slow, struggled, um, but for me, I, I learned a lot about myself and how how I am as a man and how I go about my business. And it was uh, looking back at it. I took a step back in January and just kind of did a whole look about okay, how what can I do better. And for me, it was just taking a holistic approach as far as like how you eat, how you work out, when you work out, and uh, truly just having purpose behind everything. So for me, it was uh, it, it was it was great. I learned a ton about myself, which, which I'm forever thankful for. So uh, it was that there's a saying where it's uh, you you grow through what you go through. And for me, it's I'm thankful for my process to this point, just because I've, I've I've learned so much about myself and 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 fell in love with the process while doing it. So it's a uh, it was definitely not what we wanted, um, starting all that slow, but I'm, I'm proud of the guys and, and the team we had and, and how we bounced back and, and kind of really gathered around each other and, and just worked. And uh, that was that was the theme of the year. It's interesting to hear you say that because I'm sure, as your dad would say, uh, nine and four is great for Minnesota. That's what they did last <laughs> year. They feel real good about that. Yeah. Nine and four at Wisconsin, there's a little bit of a different tenor. Yeah. How do you go about navigating, hey, we won nine games. We're pretty good, especially toward the end. You give us a few more games, mm -hmm. we can show you better football. Yeah, I mean, we all we all know the football we want to play, and, and we know that our, our best ball is ahead of us, and that that's what gets us excited every day. So we're uh, we we can't wait for this season. We, we got a really really talented team, um, really hungry team, and uh, we're just ready to go play, have fun. Talented team, hungry team. Uh, there's a dude in the back about seven and a half yards deep behind you. <laughs> it's kind of hard to miss. Yeah. Uh, there was a little strong, a li little bit, a little right? A <laughs> little bit, you know, I like to think you could lift this chair. Maybe that's, maybe that's yeah. too much. For maybe, that. maybe the mic, maybe lift it up to his, maybe to his face. <laughs> We're talking about Braylon Allen. Who's probably tired of us saying that he was 17 years old last year when he rushed for yeah. 1200 yards and really became the kind of tailback that we've just been blessed to see at Wisconsin year oh, yeah. in and year Fantastic. out. When did you know this guy was a little bit different? Okay, so this is this is actually a funny story. So when he was in high school, it was like the COVID year, and they went into they're playing in the spring, I think. Like their season got pushed back, so he started posting highlights, and I, I just knew him as Braylon, the safety linebacker, like come and just hit somebody, and he started posting highlights of him running the ball, and I was like, hold up. So I I texted him one day. I'm like, Bray, are you playing running back? And he's like, Yeah, dude, just out here playing ball, man. And I'm like, Well, he's might want to come play offense, bro. <laughs> and uh, it's funny because we have those texts from that day. But uh, I, I knew as soon as I saw one highlight tape, I'm like, that kid is not going to play safety. <laughs> like, he's going to play running back here. But um, 
just a couple of things about B. I mean, he's, he's one of my really good friends. And, uh, one of the coolest things about him is, is he's so wise beyond his years. Like he's, he's 18 years old, but he goes about his business. Like he's a four year, four year vet in the NFL. Like he knows, he knows his body, he knows how to recover, which is, which is a big thing as a running back. And he's young, but he, he's so, he, he takes care of himself more than anybody I've ever met. And that's, that's one of the coolest things as a running back. Cause usually that's the, that's the position that just gets hit every single play and hit, 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 hit. But he knows how to, he knows how to recover. He asks all the right questions and he's got to get a couple guys that uh, are a little bit older than him that, that look out for him too. And like Melvin and JT Dare. Um, so he's, he's got a really good, really good group to like bounce ideas off of. I know that it was probably not coach Chris's idea to have him carrying the rock as much as he did, especially mm-hmm. those last few games. But the injury to Chez mandated such a thing. How did you and the team respond to, okay, now you are the feature back. You're the guy we're going to hand the ball to. How do we better take care of you? Yeah, I, I think that as, as that's where you want to play as a unit. And you need a unit. Holy voice crack. <laughs> but uh, for us, it's, it's how can we all get on the same page? And knowing that, that, like that how do I do my job better to open it up a little bit more? If that's changing a mic point on a run play to – make it easier on the whole line to get there, um, whether that's killing a run play to a different one. Um, so for us, it, it's having that level of accountability that we're all out here looking out for each other. And um, when, you, when you're carrying the ball 25, 30 times a game, it's, you, need, you need your teammates to help you out a little bit. So uh, I think that one special thing about this team is we know that we're all doing it for each other. and We all, we all can help each, each other out every play. And knowing that what, what, what's our job and how can we do it better. You got another opportunity to reset along with your 360 view in January. You add Bobby Ingram as offense coordinator, quarterbacks coach. How has he helped make you a better quarterback? Oh, Coach Ingram, he's been awesome. He's been awesome. And one thing that he does a great job of is uh, kind of bringing a holistic approach and, and knowing that it's, it's a long journey and that we can't get there unless we focus on today. And he, he does a fantastic job of maxing out the moment. And he, he is he's a talented guy in what he does. Talented guy, talented man, and what he did in, in his field, and uh, he's been a great addition. I mean, all the guys love him. He loves us, and uh, we're ready to go play with him. It'll be fun. I'm excited to see Wisconsin football 2022. Graham Mertz, me too. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me. I'm pleased to be joined by Wisconsin head coach Paul Christ. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. I want to start with the way you ended 2021 after what looked like just getting challenged earlier in the season. How do you feel about your team going into 2022? I like this group, you know, and uh, I think I say that a lot of years. Yeah. You know, I do. I really do like this team and uh, I like where they're coming from. I think, you know, we've got work still to be done and uh, fall camp is going to be really important for us. But uh, I like the, the leadership that we have and, and uh, I like the, the purpose that they're showing right now in their work. And, and uh, I think you know, we've got guys that we've got talented guys. We've certainly got a number of spots that we've got to replace from last year, but I think we've got guys that can fill those roles. And so, looking forward to camp, and uh, you know, we need to have a really healthy, competitive camp, uh, not just offense versus defense, but I think within a number of position groups. And, and but I, I do like this group. It's interesting to hear you say you like this group, uh, knowing what you have offensively returning guys like Graham Merch, guys like Braylon Allen. You got to believe eight positions that are going to have new starters on your defense. What right. do you like about those guys? Well, I think you know defensively, you know one we've got some really good players returning, and you know Keanu Benton, you know, and, and I think it's a great place to start. And Nick Herbig, really, really 
I think those two guys are the heart and soul of our, not just defense, you know, team. And, and we've got a lot of guys that have played a lot of football. And, and we've got some that, you know, haven't played, but we're excited about who they are as players and, and the work that they've put in. And, and now's their, their time. You know, there's no doubt inside linebacker, we lost a ton of production with Jack Sanborn and, and Leo. And, and so you say, what's going to happen? How we replace that? You don't. Both are really good players, but I like our group of linebackers. Do I know right now who that's going to be? No, but I think we got some talented young players. You know, I think the same thing. You know, we lose two safeties. We lose two corners. But I think we've got a number of guys that have played really good football. We've got some transfers that have come in. We've got some young players that we're really excited about. And so I think that, you know, we'll be different. The names will certainly be different, but, you know, have a lot of trust and, and confidence and not just Jim Leonard, our defense coordinator, but our whole defensive staff. And, and I think they do a great job of identifying the strengths of of our of our players and, and do a great job of coaching, you know, what what you need to do to be successful in this call and in this play. And so um, you know, we've got work to be done, like I said, but but I'm excited and I like the group that they'll be working with and and, and have complete confidence in our in our defensive staff and our defensive players. I know of just three head coaches in Wisconsin during my lifetime, uh -huh. and they all play the same sort of football. We're going to run the ball well. We're going to play defense. Usually that comes down to one tailback, and I'm always going through it going, who's going to be the next guy here? Because you keep coming up with guys. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor, Melvin Gordon, going all the way back for me to Ron Dane. Yeah. seems like you got another one now in Braylon Allen. When did that guy appear to you? Because i got to tell you, Graham telling me that he first saw him as a safety – and that ain't no safety. He's running back. Right. But perhaps you saw something different. No, I mean, when we were first recruiting Braylon, you knew he was a heck of a football player and knew right away he could be a number of different, play a number of different positions. And at the time, he was just over 200 pounds. And you're thinking he could be a safety. He could be a running back. Um, didn't quite know, but you, you kind of trust whatever he wants to do, he'd be pretty good, might be a receiver. And then as he kept growing and maturing, all right, kind of went from safety to he could be a linebacker. And then, you know, senior year did a heck of a job playing running back for him. And, and so really it was last summer we were talking to Braylon and just, you know, what is there one that you want to play with? You know, play offense, defense, and he – Truly said, whatever helps the team. And I think when he said that, there's a confidence that whether I'm at linebacker or whether I'm at running back, I will be able to help this team. Right? There's a, a confidence to him, but he, he also he meant it. Whatever can help. And at the time, we had two really good linebackers, and so a little bit uncertain what was happening at running back. And and so, you know, he able to step in, and and you know, he and and Chez really carried the load at the running back spot. And and so I'm I'm excited about where he can go after his first year. And yet I think even in the running back room, Braylon doesn't have to do it all on his own. We've got some good players along with him. If I have this right, you're telling me that perhaps the best rookie tailback in the Big Ten, perhaps the country, became one out of serendipity. Like, we weren't really sure. We were kind of unsure about this room. We were sure about that room. So we put him in the, in the room that we were not so sure about. And that's how I end up with Braylon Allen rushing for 1,200 yards last year. I mean, we were sure he was really good. Well, I, yeah, but we didn't know. Yeah, absolutely, didn't know that he was going to be a running back. Didn't know he was going to be a linebacker. Um, 
didn't know he wouldn't go both ways, you know, and, and, uh, but yeah, I think it did come down to what do we think we need right now and, and where could he make the biggest impact earlier? And we felt like it could be at running back, not at linebacker. It's fascinating to me because I hear players tell me all the time, I want to do whatever helps the team. Yeah. And I hear coaches say, what do you want to do? And for this to work out the way that it did and for Braylon to be the kind of player that he is at, at tailback, I find that remarkable at a place like Wisconsin. I kind of want to stick there, Coach. Uh, it felt like he was not ready for the load toward the end. Now, obviously, Chad's going down changes yeah. how you're divvying up the carries. But how do you help him better prepare for it? Yes, you're probably going to be a workhorse again. Right. I think that's the the beauty you know, for, for Braylon this offseason is – he kind of now knows what he's preparing for. You think about it last last year, you know, not this spring, but the spring before, they delayed their season. So he was playing his high school season in the spring. And so he just finishes that up and he comes a month later to Wisconsin. We're still talking about what position. So now he, you think about it from his shoes. Now he knows all right, what it's what it's like to play in the Big Ten. He knows what it's like to play running back. And now he can take advantage of that whole time to help prepare himself. And he's done a great job of that. He's super competitive. Uh, he's diligent. It, it means something to him. He wants to be the best he can be. And so I think just that alone helps because he knows what he's preparing for. We're in the – really the year before, he was just – preparing to come to college. He didn't know, like I said, didn't know what position he'd be playing. Didn't, didn't matter. I think he was confident he could help us and he was right. But, uh, you know, there's a lot that he's, he has learned. And I think that only helps you in preparing for the next year. I love that story. Uh, I love it for a couple of reasons. One is I'm a college football fan first and I read right. everything there is to know <laughs> and read about college football. Right. And I have a few friends that are Wisconsin grads and I'm getting just beat over my head because how do you not know about Brandon Allen? How am I just now seeing this dude? Right. The job is to tell me yeah. this is going to happen. No one knows. Well, let's see. That's what I – hey, look, you're educating me. And he was supposed to – you know, he reclassified because really last year was supposed to be his senior year in high school. Well, we so, that- so he's not on the radar as much as everyone else would. And, and COVID took everyone off the radar, so – there's a lot of reasons why you didn't know. Hey, coach, uh, again, <laughs> just make me feel better. It's like, no, I would have seen it, I swear. Uh, but a dude that I did know a bunch about, uh, really prized when he got to Wisconsin's Grand Mertz. Right. He's going into year three. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seems settled. He seems as if he's found himself. What have you seen change for him in 2022? Yeah, I, th- I think it are what you're talking about. I think that's real. And I think that, again, you know, Graham's been able to go through a number of different experiences and, you know, some of them are really good and some are hard to go through, but he keeps coming out the other end. And I think that he's also just himself, he's maturing and and understanding what is really needed from the quarterback. And, and obviously there's plays that are needed, but in the end it's how do you help others be better and how do you help elevate those around you that's being a good quarterback and there we all know there's gonna be times the ball's in your hand all the time and there will be situations where you've got to deliver 
And again, you go back and there's times when he's done exactly that. And there's been times where it hasn't gone the way that he or we would have liked it to go. You got a chance to learn from it. And it, it, he's been intentional and purposeful in, I think, kind of an accurate, this is where I'm at. And really believing that it it's important. And so he, he puts the work in and this is how I can go forward. And I'm excited for him to continue that work. And we get to do that in fall camp and, and, and it's, uh, but I've been proud of the kind of his, his growth. How do you think Bobby Ingram has helped him become a better quarterback and even helped you on the staff? Yeah, I, I think one of the, the strengths of, of, of Bobby and really grateful that he's with us and, I think he he gets the game and understands it and and it's a it's another perspective. It might be another perspective saying the same thing, and so maybe it validates something else. It might be shedding a different light on something, maybe looking at it through a different lens that helps him. And I think that you know there's a number of ways Bobby cares about players, not just the quarterback, not just the receiver, not just you know, he cares about players. And so I think that also comes across. I think it's a good example for Graham, too, that that is part of the position, you know, caring about everyone. Coach, we've got some changes afoot here in college football, as you very well know. Yep. How excited are you to invite a couple of teams that play in L.A. to Madison, Wisconsin in November? Yeah, <laughs> I like the way you twist, <laughs> put the little twist down there. You know, it's it, there is change, and, and I think it's it's you embrace it. And, uh, you know, I think it's, I always think about Okay, for our guys, what's that mean? And I think, you know, some great experiences, you know, and whenever, wherever you're playing them, you know, those are, those would be good teams to play up against. And, you know, one thing I've always been proud of with the Big Ten is, you know, you're going to face really good teams. And they're really good teams because they've got really good players and, and well coached teams. And so you, you see that be consistent, you know, when they do join the league, that you're going to have that as well. And yet, um, you know, I hope I'm still around then. You <laughs> right? I hope I'm, I hope I'm there to enjoy it. But it's, um, I think, you know, it changes part of it. And yet I also get encouraged because what doesn't change is the game of football and, and what we get to do and, and how we get to do it. And, and for me, where I get to do it with and, and the group that I'm with. And so looking forward to this year. My last one for you, coach. Very open ended and take it any direction you like. How do you feel about the future? of college football you know how i feel about the future of college football i think one it's absolutely a game and and worth investing in and how do we make it the best we can make it and and i'm i'm confident and it can be really healthy and want change right that's how you continue to to grow um i'm hopeful that we can you know, a lot of what we've, a lot of the changes that we're talking about now seem to me to be really reactionary. You know, we know how we got to NIL because of reactions and, and different things. And, and I'm happy that we've got an NIL space. We kind of know where we're at with transfers. I get, and I think I get and understand, you know, conferences and the realignment. I'd like to think that we can all find a way to get together and, how we govern it and how we organize it to, to where we can all get on the same page. It'd be pretty, cause it's, it's worth, it's worth investing in and it's worth saving cause it's a tremendous, you know, I've been fortunate to be around it 
you know, f most all my life. And it is so worthwhile. And, and I say that not just from my own experience, but, you know, I've been lucky. There's hundreds, thousands of guys that I've been able to be with at different places and what that's done and, and how it's helped them become who they are. And so it's whatever work we got to put in, it's worth it. Wisconsin head coach Paul Chris, thank you so much for taking time, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm pleased to be joined by Purdue quarterback Aiden O'Connell. Aiden, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, RJ. I am looking forward to this. I really want to start with just how last season ended for you. And just a little bit of poke, the producer of this show is a Tennessee fan. Do you have anything you'd like to say to her? Um, I hope she enjoyed watching the game. Uh, I know her heart rate was up. I, I feel like Purdue and Tennessee fans alike can say that their heart rate was up and down and, and stressed out. Obviously, it ended in our favor, but um, I think, you know, um, as much as we may not like each other because how the game ended, uh, we can kind of see eye to eye and, you know, the stress during the game. It was fantastic. I really enjoyed it as a an avid neutral. I just like seeing great offensive football. Josh Heupel, Tennessee, they want to move the ball. Obviously, Purdue wants to throw the ball. How was it to be in that storm? Yeah, it's obviously for a quarterback. It's a quarterback's dream. Um, you always want to shoot out in games like that, and um, it was a lot of fun. It was crazy back and forth, and even the last five, four minutes of the actual game, um, craziness. So definitely the longest game I've ever been a part of, and probably the most fun I've been a part of, and um, just a, a great atmosphere, you know, sold-out crowd, and, uh, you know, kind of what you dream of to finish the season. Last year was a banner year. For Purdue. It's the best record that a Purdue team has produced since 2003, and you were at the center of that, specifically against really great teams, passing for over 430 yards against an Ohio State, against Michigan State, against Iowa. How have you been able to rise to the challenge of these really great Big Ten teams? You know, I think it's it's confidence instilled from me, from coaches and players and um, you know, I think I'm really lucky to have a great supporting cast and um, great administration, just a great program that, um, you know, cares about their players. And um, I think, again, it starts from the top down. We have confidence going into those weeks. I remember when my second year in 2018, most people remember we beat Ohio State and that was a huge win for our program. And I think that kind of um, in terms of upset, it, it happened even before that year's prior, but that kind of put us on the map. And so we have confidence that we can play with good teams. You know, it's the Big Ten. Really, every team is good. Um, so I, th I think just, you know, seeing us being able to do it in the past and then, um, our teammates and coaches and people just believing, um, I think that's the biggest thing. That 2018 game is ridiculous for a number of reasons. Uh, my joke was that the Buckeyes got run over by an actual train, but it's also got a Rondale Moore on it. And that's a special player. Last year you had a special player in David Bell. Who are you ex expecting in that wide receiver room to step up for both of those guys? Yeah, so we're, we're probably maybe not have a, a star player like that, but, um, you know, we're excited. We, we feel like we have a lot of very good players, too, and um, hopefully that can even make, make us more dynamic as we have a steady group of guys, Brock Thompson, Mershon um, Rice, Abdur, TJ Sheffield, Deion Burks, Charlie Jones, um, just a, honestly a lot of guys, um, Elijah Cannon and Tyrone Tracy. So there's more I can keep, keep naming, but um, that's just a few that, that come to mind that have, have had great summers um, and that we're going to need to play well to win. I'm glad you mentioned Tyrone Tracy because I got to speak with him last year right here playing at Iowa. What's it like to have him in your locker room? He's a great kid. He's a great player. Um, he, he works super hard. You can tell that um, he cares about his craft. He acts like a professional and, um, 
like I said, we're going to need him to play well to win games. He's, you know, kind of a, a, a dynamic player in the sense he can play different positions and do different things. So um, we're just happy to have him in our program. Um, everybody loves him. Um, he's, you know, blended now with our team and uh, broken out of his shell. And it's been great to just see him um, even more than on the field stuff, off the field, be friends with the guys and, and uh, you know, have team camaraderie like that. Last year, you became the first quarterback since Curtis Painter to throw for 300 yards in six games. And you are the first player to make one of the first two Big Ten teams at quarterback since Kyle Orton. Did you imagine yourself in that company when you decided to walk on at Purdue? Yeah, I definitely hoped for it. Um, I can't say for sure that I, I knew it was going to happen. There was, you know, hard times and, um, you know, kind of a, a lonely journey and sometimes, but I always knew I had, you know, family, friends back home supporting me and um, even people at Purdue off the field um, that, you know, love me and cared about me for who I am more than football. So I always felt supported. I, I, I do feel like still an underdog, but um, not in the sense that I, I don't feel loved. I, I know I, I'm loved and supported and encouraged by a lot of people. So um, again, I'm, I'm not, I didn't know for sure that this would happen. This is definitely a dream. And um, I think I've just been very blessed for it to play out how, how it has. Getting to read about your backstory, right? Coming from Lincolnshire, committing to Wheaton, and then deciding to go to Purdue. I'm fascinated. How did that go down for you in particular? How did you pick out Jeff Brom and how did Jeff Brom pick you out? Yeah, it was a crazy process. I um, wasn't very highly recruited at all. Um, didn't have any scholarship offers coming out of high school. And um, Purdue was actually one of the only um, big time opportunities uh, that I had, the only walk on position in the Big Ten that I was able to get. And um, you know, I was frustrated with the recruiting process and I originally committed to Wheaton. Um, it was, you know, 30 minutes from my house, kind of a safe decision. And then I had, you know, friends and family uh, near to me that had conversations with me and um, we just kind of decided it's um, probably a good idea to take, take a shot and see what can happen. And so, um, you know, it, it's just, as I reflect, it's all about the people around me. It's not, it's not about me. It's all about, you know, the people that uh, I love and cherish that, you know, pour into me and have supported me and, and got me to where I am today. You have transitioned from walk-on to scholarship player to starting quarterback at Purdue. What's the biggest change from your day-to-day existence on campus from being a walk-on as a true freshman to being a 60-year senior? Yeah, you know, I, I still feel the same, to be honest with you. I, I still feel like um, the A-string walk-on that, that needs to earn a spot, and um, I try to bring that mentality to, you know, preparation in the weight room, um, film study, practice, um, all those things, because that, that's how I feel. I, I still feel like I have a chip on my shoulder. I have something to prove, and I also know that, you know, there's talented guys around me and talented guys just in a quarterback room that um, are able to play. So I, I feel like I need to earn my spot every day, and I try to, you know, live and, and act that way and um so I, I try to think not a lot has changed I just try to focus and and work as just as hard as I did when I was younger um and now obviously there's more responsibilities but um the love of the game I think is still there and that that is what makes me say you know it doesn't feel like much has changed I've heard you say it's been a lonely journey at times but you've also had to talk with people that are close to you who are some of the people that you've leaned on when this hasn't been going so well yeah, it's been, you know, to start um, in 2017, 2018 is my parents a lot, um, family members, um, even close friends and roommates at Purdue that, you know, shared the journey with me and, um, you know, again, just cared about me off the field. There's a guy named Marty Dittmar, who are, who's our chaplain um, for our, our team, our FCA chaplain for Purdue, and he's just been huge for me. Um, and then as I've, you know, gotten later, and my, my current fiance, who's uh, we met in 
2018, started dating in 2019, um, has supported me so much. So I just, um, that's a few, I could go on and on for a couple hours about all the people that got, even got me to Purdue and, um, and the people that helped me. So it's, like I said before, it's, it's all about those people. Those people are who pour into me and, and love me. And, um, those, uh, people are the reason that, that I feel I can, you know, keep going. My last one for you. Why did you want to return for a sixth year at Purdue? You know, I think it, it kind of goes with what we've been talking about. I really do love the community. Um, I love the people. I love my teammates. Um, I've had an awesome experience, one that I, I couldn't have, like, again, what we talked about, really probably couldn't have imagined it, it could have gone um, how it has. So I just, you know, um, it felt like a great decision. I, I love where I am. Um, you know, I'd probably stay longer if they let me, but eventually they're going to kick me out. So, um, yeah, no, it's it's going to be hopefully another great year. But, um, you know, I'm just trying to soak in these memories and these experiences while I can. I'm looking forward to seeing you play in 2022. I'm also going to try to put in a call to Danny Ford and the Burlesworth Selection Committee because, my goodness, man, nobody's doing it like you're doing it. I'm excited to see what you're capable of this season. Thanks very much, RJ. Appreciate you. I'm pleased to be joined by Purdue head coach Jeff Brom. Coach, how you doing? Very good. I want to start with a positive. Nine wins last year. Best winning uh, season that you had since 2003. What's it going to take to get to 11 for the first time in school history, coach? Well, it's going to take a lot of hard work. Every year is a new year and uh, with a new roster. And uh, playing in our conference is always a challenge. It's great competition. There's great football players. They're well coached. And we're just going to have to find ways to improve as an overall team. I think the fact that we were able to improve uh, on the defense and on special teams last year and then be efficient on offense helped us get better. But we've got to push the envelope there. I think we have to come a, become a more dominant team on defense. We've got to figure out ways to be uh, – you know, tougher in the trenches. And I think if we do that, then uh, hopefully we can, you know, try to inch our way up. I thought it was really interesting how you guys went through 2021 with the quarterback derby going all the way through, and then you settled on Aiden O'Connell. What does it mean for you to have a six-year senior coming back that you know you can hand the keys to and don't have to worry about? Well, we're excited to watch Aiden play this year. He did a great job last year. Really the last half of the season played at an elite level. Uh, put up great numbers, helped us win some big football games, really was accurate with the football, made some big-time throws. He's a man of great faith, a uh, great teammate who works really hard, uh, and we were fortunate to kind of get to that point. You know, he had to overcome some of his head coach's decisions, not playing him early on, but uh, we, we got through that. Uh, he's taking the range and run with it. He's coming back for, uh, you know, another year, and I, and I think he's worked extremely hard. He realizes that – you know, he's got to try to ante up and play even better. And there's great challenges with that, but we're excited. I had to talk with Aiden for a little bit, and I was telling him that the producer of this show is a Tennessee alumnus or alumna, alumna, excuse me. Do you have anything you'd like to say to her about that game against her alma mater? Well, it was a great football game. It was exciting. They had a lot of fans, a lot of orange in the stadium. Uh, they were into the game. You know, Tennessee had a great year. They really did some really good things. In every football game, the luck has to be on your side. We had a little bit on our side. We hung in there. Uh, it was a back-and-forth game, especially in the fourth quarter. A lot of fireworks. We just happened to kind of have the ball bounce our way, and our guys play hard to the end and come up with a winning field goal. But I think anytime you can play in an atmosphere uh, with all the Tennessee fans and our fans in attendance, it was a sellout. It was a lot of fun. I was excited. I'm an avid neutral watching that game, and it was fireworks. I saw two offenses going at it. I'm familiar with Coach Heupel from his days at Oklahoma and Central Florida obviously understand what your offense is capable of, but it seems to go to another level in games that are close and games that absolutely matter to folks like me, neutral fans. I'm talking about Aiden going for, I think it's an average of 430 yards, 
against Ohio State, Iowa. I want to say Michigan State's in there too. What is it about that offense or even your players that forces them to rise up at these play these high pressure moments? Well, we've got a great collection of young men that have a chip on their shoulder. Uh, they think they've been overlooked. They're out to prove themselves. They're working really hard. And anytime you get a chance to kind of get on the big stage, they want to prove how good they, they really are. So uh, I just think from a coaching staff standpoint, we do a really good job of staying aggressive, giving ourselves our players a chance to succeed, allowing them to be aggressive, and really just kind of swinging for the fences. And sometimes you're going to miss, but sometimes you're going to hit. Uh, and our guys have really stepped forward in some big games, especially this past year. It gives your team life. It, it proves to your team that, hey, you know, if we do a, all these small things correctly, we can play at a high level, and it gives you hope. So we just got to build on that. It's got to become more consistent. We have to find ways to do it each and every year with a couple new pieces, and that's the challenge. I'm recalling that 2021 saw an average attendance in West Lafayette, about 56,000 folks. And I believe that y'all renewed over 90% of your season tickets. People are in to Boilermaker football in a way that they haven't been, it seems like, for about 10 years. Do you feel that at all? Without question, our fan support has been outstanding. Uh, they're into the game. Uh, they love uh, playing competitive football and now winning some of those games. Uh, they support our players. We have a great student turnout as well that gets to the game early. They're into the game. They stay late. Uh, and they're excited when you win. So anytime you get that type of support, which we have had at a really high level, uh, it makes your players and coaches want to work that much harder. Uh, you understand how much it means to them, and you want to go the extra mile to get that done. But that has made playing uh, in Ross State Stadium a whole lot of fun. I go back to the 2018 game against Ohio State where it felt like you really turned some heads and you had this guy that wasn't that good and Rondell Moore. Maybe you know something about what I'm talking about here. And then you turn out David Bell. Who do you expect to turn out this year? Who can I put my money on to be, hey, that guy's going to be the guy to watch Purdue? We've been fortunate to have some really good players, and uh, they've done a great job. And fortunately for them, they've been able to go on and play in the NFL and hopefully uh, make a lot of money and, and have a lot of fun doing that. Uh, but – this year, we do have some inexperience at the receiver position, but I think we have a whole lot of depth. A lot of young men that have, are out to uh, showcase what they're all about. They practice well, maybe haven't gotten the game reps they would like, uh, but I think they're going to be ready to go. You know, Fortunately for us, we throw the football a lot. We work it a lot. Uh, we've seen what they can do on the practice field, but it's just got to translate, and you got to do it against great opponents. you got to do it in the spotlight. you got to be able to do it when things aren't going well, and that's where you see where these guys react and what they're made of. But we do have a good nucleus of young men, whether it's Brock Thompson coming back off his bowl uh, win. We have Charlie Jones and Tyrone Trace who transferred from Iowa that will play a lot of football for us. We have T.J. Sheffield who did a really good job for us last year, and then a, a handful of others that are newcomers that we've seen do some good things in practice. So we're excited about that position. Last one about the team transition to some national topics, Coach. But I understand that you were the dude that was able to pull out another Carlaftis. You know, what do you know about Yanni and his world championship in judo? My goodness. Well, Yanni's very talented as well. Unfortunately, you know, his first two years here, he's gotten injured. Last year, he had a severe hamstring that wiped him out uh, for six months. This summer, he got injured again, so he's a little behind the eight ball. But uh, you know what? He's gotten bigger. He's gotten stronger. He He's moved to our – uh, hybrid defensive end position so he can kind of play linebacker and defensive end and rush the quarterback. Uh, and he'll be a really productive player. He'll be in the rotation. He's just uh, got to continue to work and battle through some things. And but I think once he gets on the field, he'll be able to showcase that. Looking forward to it, Coach. Uh, you're also getting a lot bigger in the Big Ten. A couple teams from Los Angeles decided they want to play Midwest football. How do you feel about that? 
We're excited. I think anytime you get new additions to the uh, the conference, uh, you know, it's it's new opponents. These two have tremendous history and tradition, won a lot of football games, national championships, playing great venues uh, in a great market. So I think the whole Big Ten, uh, and I can speak for ourselves, we're excited to, to get to that point. It'll create some uh, interesting uh, trips for our team and our fans uh, to be a part of that. And I think they'll add great value. So I think, uh, you know, it's already very competitive. It's already a very tough conference, and now you're going to have two really good football teams. Coach, uh, this is open-ended, uh, simple, but please indulge me, take in any direction you would like. How do you feel about the future of college football? I'm excited about the future of college football. Obviously, there's some uncertainties that uh, you're not for sure which direction it's going to go, but I think there's uh, you know, a mass of people that want good things to happen, uh, they love the game of football. They love college sports. Uh, there's enough leaders out there to figure this thing out. Uh, there's going to be change. There's going to be a few hiccups. But I think as long as people you know, continue to work through it, understand that we're just trying to make the game better, uh, good things normally happen. Purdue coach Jeff Braun, thank you for taking the time, coach. Thank you. I'm pleased to be joined by Illinois head coach Brett Bielema. Coach, how you doing? Doing great, RJ. Thank you. I want to really take a light and shine it on these Minnesota and Penn State games from last year. Gotcha. But I also am not on your football team, and I don't have to listen to you talk to me about <laughs> it. I genuinely am very excited about it. Coach, how did you think that it went for the folks outside the doors? Well, I think uh, last year in general, you know, we started off the year with a win over Nebraska, and our kids kind of got caught up in the moment. I think they thought it was just going to be easy, right? And uh, the next week we got uh, hit in the head uh, with UTSA, and – uh, kind of lost our way for a little bit, but uh, really that Penn State game would win at at Penn State. Uh, liked the way they played, but then next week we came back, lost to Rutgers, didn't do our best, I felt, and then went on the road and beat Minnesota at Minnesota, uh, a big West uh, rivalry game, you know, and, and um, I think that really put our guys in motion that they know, hey, if we do what we're capable of doing, we practice the right way, we can get some wins. Uh, and then to come full circle at the end of the year to play Northwestern, they hadn't beat them in six years. Uh, for us to play that way at the end of the year got me excited about where we're going. That game in particular, I thought, encapsulated uh, the 2021 season for you because you talking about we got kicked by UTSA. It's a good football team. Coach. They were. They were. It's a very good football yeah, team. Yeah. You know, and that was kind of the thing going up and down your schedule when I went and did the wins and losses. When nearly every team y'all played is pretty doggone good. Yeah. So how do you feel about your team knowing how they played against Northwestern, but also taking into account? how they took those lumps. You know, uh, I like the growth they had. And I've always said this, right? You, in life, um, through my 52 years on this earth, you actually live and learn more through adversity and moments of failure than you do in moments of success. Uh, and, and I think our guys know that, right? They, they understood, hey, we went through the, the highs of the highs, but the lows, uh, the things that caused us pain, right, are the things we got to avoid. I talk all the time to our players about more games are lost than won. And, and I, I realize everybody wins a game, but... A lot of times it's a team can't sustain what they need to do for a long period of time uh, to en enables them to win games. Uh, penalties, mental errors, and turnovers are the easiest way to lose a game, and, and uh, we have to eradicate those from our program. There's one thing I know to be true about you as a head coach. You're going to run the ball, and you're going to demand great defense. I know you got a tailback in Chase Brown that can carry the load. Do you have a guy that you think can run that offense yet, though? I do. Uh, uh, I think our quarterback play is going to be critical. Um, last year we had, uh, obviously, Brandon Peters as our starter, but he got knocked out in the first quarter, and Art Sikowski comes in and, and does a nice job to get us a win. Uh, he played a lot of good football, unfortunately got injured in the Penn State game. BP comes back in and finishes the year off for us very, very well. But 
Um, I'm, I'm excited about Chase, uh, uh, Josh McCray, uh, but on defense, I really feel that a lot of what we did a year ago carries over into this year. Um, we got a lot of players back, but also just the demeanor and the way they play. I've enjoyed getting to know anything at all about uh, Coach Walters. Can you tell me maybe a story that revealed himself to you? You know, he's a very uh, – uh, I think everybody, because of his size and his stature, but he is – Don't I know it, Coach? Exactly. He He's a, uh, an extremely competitive uh, game day. He loses his mind. Uh, usually I'm the guy that they got to uh, pull off the field, and I know how many times I had to pull him off uh, just because he, he gets so in the moment, uh, gets volatile. Um, I'll try to coach up our players and sometimes the refs. And, and uh, uh, so I, I think what people wouldn't realize, because he is so kind of a soft-spoken guy, great demeanor, uh, he's a very intense game day person. Coach, we are in the middle of some torrential changes in college football. A yeah. uh, couple of them have come straight to your doorstep. We got a couple teams in Los Angeles that want to play Midwest football. How do you feel about that? I'm excited. Uh, you know, I've, I've been a, in this league a long time, so I remember being in this league when they added Penn State. Um, uh, one man show, but they moved it to 11, right? And and uh, then all of a sudden we added Nebraska. That was when I was a head coach at Wisconsin. They were literally our first. They were they were first Big Ten game was at our place. Um, and then and then to come full circle when they added Maryland and and uh, Rutgers uh, to get us to the 14 we have, and now to add these two, I think to to throw us into another time zone, another part of the country, uh, it just brings tremendous value overall to our conference. My last one for you, Coach. Yeah. Uh, open ended, indulge me, take it any direction you want. How do you feel about the future of college football? You know, I'm excited. I, th- I think there's never been a time where so many different moving parts have been a part of what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. Um, what I really want to cautiously, optimistically guard, right, is our, our student-athletes. Sometimes you have to, uh, you know, protect your own, right? And, and um, there's so many positive things with NIL and all that goes into that and the transfer portal. What I worry is we have too many moving parts. We've got we've got a seventh grade science project going on with steroids, right? Like you're supposed to have one variable, right? Whether it's heat, cold, a chemical, do something, and then you know what the variable is, right? Well, right now, we just got so many moving parts: 85 scholarships, expansion, uh, portal, NIL. Like I don't know if the cause and effect is there, uh, and I'm really worried. We've done such a good job uh, in college athletics of graduating our players, right? Getting those getting those graduate rates up there um, so that when you recruit somebody and bring them to your school, you can guarantee, unless they want to screw it up, that they're going to get a degree, right? And I just I worry that some of these moving parts are going to make it difficult for guys to transfer with credits uh, and graduate them on a, on a specific timeline. So that's the part that I'm really hoping they can protect. Illinois coach Brad Bielema, thank you so much, coach. Thank you. Appreciate it. ILL. I'm pleased to be joined by Rutgers head coach Greg Schiano. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, sir. Uh, I'm looking at what you did in 2021, and I'm excited because I remember your first stint at Rutgers football. I know how this ends. It occurs to me that you have a couple of uh, coordinators that also probably feel the same way. Can you tell us about, well, what Sean Gleason has to do in 2021 and why you went and got this dude from Maine, who's my age, running your defense in Joe Harrismack? Well, both those guys, we're, we're blessed to have both Sean and Joe on our staff. Sean is an incredibly bright young football coach with, with great energy, great passion, connects with the players, and very, very creative, uh, you know. But And Joe, very much the same. You know, Joe Harasimiak comes to us most recently from University of Minnesota, but you, you mentioned he was the head coach at the University of Maine and uh, excellent, excellent football coach, same thing. Really bright, connects with the players, and, uh, you know, I said, we're blessed to have two 
uh, elite coordinators, in my opinion. I'm curious about your relationship with Joe. As uh, watch a lot of interviews of him at Maine, saw a couple at Minnesota, not so much at Rutgers just yet. However, he seems to keep just growing up with each one of these jobs, and it seems like his confidence is coming through in each one of these interviews. It's only so much you can get from a conversation, but I would like your insight into just what it takes to be defense coordinator for you at Rutgers. Well, you know, I'm a defensive guy yeah. over the years. Uh, the longer you're a head coach, you become a an all all phase guy, right? But uh, Joe's excellent. I, he doesn't need me looking over his shoulder. We talk, uh, but he leads the defensive staff, and he does a great job. We've only been together for heck less than what is it, seven months? But uh, I'm very impressed. You know, we haven't been in the battle together yet, so that we will see. But uh, I'm fully confident uh, that he's going to do a tremendous job and. And Joe's a, Joe and Sean are both future head coaches. Coach, you've been around for some time at this level. I wonder, what do you think about USC, UCLA wanting to play football in the Midwest? I think it's great. Okay. Great for our league. Uh, you know, you take a great league in the Big Ten and you even make it stronger. Mm. Um, add on top of that, you know, we got from New York to L.A. We got the whole country covered. You wake up in the morning on a Saturday, you're watching Big Ten football. You go to bed at night, you're watching Big Ten football. You know, what's better than that? And, uh, again, the landscape is changing, and hats off to our league. You know, we made sure that we stayed in that one-two race, and that's the important part for all of us. One of the things that I hear from coaches is control the things that you can control, adapt to the situation as it is, not how you would like it to be. With all this change going on, are you having to take your own advice there? 100%. But, you know, I think that's in everything. You know, figure it out. Things change. You either adapt or you die. Well, we, we don't plan on dying, so let's adapt. And, uh, you know, whether it's NIL, it's transfer portal, it's leagues that are, that are changing their configuration. That's what, that's what we get paid to do, and that's what we get paid to teach. You know, handle the things you can handle and figure it out. Along those lines, Coach, uh, a lot of change just over the last I mean, three, four years. We, introduction to the transfer portal, name, image, and likeness, and now the changing of these leagues. How do you feel about the future of college football? Here's what I believe. Any one of those would be a big change. All three at the same time is a seismic shift. I think this is a critical time in the future of college athletics, college football for sure. And the decision makers, the leadership of college football, I think are setting the path for the next 30 or 40 years. So we really need to make sure that we're doing this right. You know, the, the professionalization of college athletics has occurred. It's official. So you're not putting that genie back in the bottle. Now, how are we going to better handle it? You know, the, the NFL, having coached in that league, they have a lot of experience at professionalization of football. And they've got a pretty good formula that works smoothly. Right now, we don't have a formula. Uh, it is, you know, all over the map. And I think, again, as the leadership of college football, we need to figure this out quickly. We grew up in a decentralized sport, which is to say the regionality of what we do is what made it special. And we're trying to come up with a way to centralize it and to make it a little bit more efficient. I lay it out in that way to say, I got into my job because of what was in the past. I assume you got in your job because of what was in the past. Now that we're here, I still want to see how this ends. Is there a part of you that wants to see how this ends all the way through? Yeah, I think. I'm coaching now for the same reason I got into coaching 35 years ago. You know, I enjoy developing young people, helping them become the best version of who they are and who they can become. 
Uh, and I love the game of football. I think it teaches so much. It's the only game I know that brings together people from so many different backgrounds and puts them under the crucible that brings them really close. And you look at the friends that are kids that we've coached over the years, friends they have for life. And when I say friends, guys that they can rely on, guys that you know they can go to in a time of need. I don't see that happening very much in this world, but it's still happening in, in football. That is one of the blessings that I've heard from many of your coaches like yourself is, hey, we still love football and we still love what it provides the players. Happy to know that you're still sticking with us, coach. Greg Schiano, thank you so much for taking time, coach. Uh, my pleasure.